Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Spodcast, episode four of season three, or something like that. Seven of nine? I don't know. Uh, it's three of four. Yeah, that's it. No, four of three. I don't know. I'm confused. My name is Tim Mitchell, and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there. And we also have Jaime Lopez Jr. on the line in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? For those of you transporting at home and who get upset about how I say things. Anyway, there you have it. Um, I don't. I haven't actually gone through the entire show because uh, we had the number one fan doing post-production last week so i haven't really gone through and done any sort of fact check from last week have you guys you have no fact check from last, last week right no it was a, just an, a, a pure Flawless perfection episode? it was absolutely everything you could hope for <laughs> kept it clean no no no, no mistakes, mistakes whatsoever yeah. <laughs> completely um free episode oh of course yes of course uh so there we go speaking of um uh, so let's start off with let's dig into some headlines Jaime, what do you got for us here first up yeah the first trailer has come out for amazon's utopia Mm. which is uh, apparently based on a 2013 United Kingdom series of the same name. And it uh, revolves around a secret plot to destroy most of humanity using a virus, which seems quite timely. <laughs> you know, it, it looks like it's got some interesting uh, stuff there where the uh, a graphic novel foretells the future of what's going to happen to, to the characters uh, in in universe. And uh, I think uh, I think Dwight Schrute is in the cast, if I, if I recall the face. So could be worth checking out. You mean Harry Mudd? Yes, Harry, Harry Mudd, uh, Rain Wilson, I think is his real name. Took me a while to get there. And John Cusack, it looks like as well. Hmm. What's your What's your impression after seeing the trailer, Jaime? What do you think? I think it's worth a watch. I mean, it, I'll be honest, like it didn't grab me as like, oh my gosh, that like I have to watch that one. But I think it's more like, yeah, that's a solid one. It's kind of like uh, Amazon's upload where I didn't feel like I had to watch it and binge it day one uh, from what I saw in the trailer. But I feel like, yeah, that I'll add that to the list. That's that's going to get a watch. So. So speaking of which, you mentioned Dark before. You watched the Dark series, right, Hami? Uh, that's the, uh, that's the, the German one on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, yes. And have you watched all the seasons of it? And is it worthwhile watching? I mean... First season is, is really good. I haven't gotten into the second and third seasons because we got like a couple episodes into season two, realized I was horribly confused and said, oh, I need to go watch a YouTube recap of season one so I can remember <laughs> what was going right. on and, and might eventually just like bite the bullet and binge all three because it, it gets really complicated real fast. Uh, is it like subtitled or is it just uh, there is over? there is a, a, a subtitled original language version. Of somehow Netflix accidentally turned it on to the dubbed version, and the, the dub is pretty good. Oh, I see. Okay, so I think whatever whatever your your preference is, it'll it'll accommodate. Cool. All right. What's next? Next one is uh, it's out of date as of this particular uh, recording, but apparently Thundercats, the original nineteen eighties cartoon show is coming to Hulu, which uh, I don't have Hulu, but I'm like, oh, when I do end up subscribing to Hulu, I'll definitely go give that a watch because that was uh, definitely from those formative years of animation. And if, if folks are listening and have no clue what I'm talking about, at least go watch um, 
the uh, Thundercats opening intro animation, which is it still stands the test of time. It's just like how bonkers it is and how uh, upbeat uh, and, and and sort of power fantasy it is because um, it's it's of that era. And, and if you're not you know totally jazzed to start watching it based on that, then you know nothing's going to convince you. I think. Mm. I said Lion-O and all that kind of stuff, right? Wearing yes. my wearing my nerd credentials on my sleeve, I have the box sets of all the episodes uh, on DVD. So. So I'm I'm all stacked up for for that, but uh, I, yeah, it's 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 a weird show. It it does not hold up terribly well. There are some episodes that are still quite good, but there's a lot of what were they smoking, drinking, ingesting. Uh, some of the ideas are pretty pretty bizarro. Yeah, yeah, and I have this I have this hypothesis that is completely you know not fact checked in any way, but I I think furries as a as a community did not exist prior to Thundercats and possibly Rescue Rangers. Is my, <laughs> my, my that's in my you know my head canon of of how the world sort of worked. I believe it because there was a bunch of other sort of tied in shows, right? There was Silverhawks, and there was other sort of uh, heroic alien slash sort of sci-fi kind of fantasy shows of that genre too yes yes indeed no, no word yet on silverhawks coming to hulu huh no and that, that feels like one that they should reboot you know it should be like a gritty netflix reboot or something <laughs> i think it'd work really well kind of like uh like voltron on netflix well they did a, a rebooted thundercats a few years ago right i, I never they, really got into it they did and, yes, I, and I watched a bit here. yeah yeah so it was Lion, Lion-O and what was the girl's name? She-Ra or something like that? Chitara. Chitara, right. And Panthro and Tigra. Yeah, wasn't it Wasn't it like on run reruns and stuff like that in the, in the 90s and oh, so yeah. on and so forth? Oh, yeah. It, was, it, it, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. was on in its prime during the 80s. And then it had a second life in syndication that just kept going for years and years and years on like, you know, morning cartoon television and stuff. But it was goofy cartoon-like stuff, right? No, it, was, it was pretty earnest. Uh, there, really? was, there was a slapsticky hmm. character named Snarf. It was sort of the nursemaid slash overprotective, you know, mother type of the uh, mother hen of the group. But otherwise, the show took itself kind of seriously. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Speaking of furries, this uh, <laughs> Wonder Woman 1984 trailer introduces Kristen Wiig of Saturday Night Live SNL fame as uh, the nemesis to Wonder Woman Cheetah. Mm. So that that came out during uh, Jonathan. What was it that dropped? The DC dropped a whole bunch of this stuff that we're going to talk yeah, about. They had a big event last weekend that took both days and did a whole bunch of online stuff in lieu of being able to do their sort of San Diego. Diego Comic-Con summer binge of, of information. So they they did this thing they called DC Fandome, where they had talk about new movies, new TV shows, uh, new video games, new comics, and just sort of pumped out all this information. So yeah, a bunch of new trailers for different movies and TV shows and, and games that, that all, a lot look really good. And then among those, uh, Wonder Woman, yeah, like we'd seen a little, little teaser trailer for it, but this was the first sort of full-length trailer we actually got to see. Uh, Kristen Wiig fully getting her cheetah on. Mm-hmm. And what was your impression seeing the full cheetah effect? I gotta admit, I wasn't completely sold, and maybe this is just <laughs> you know bad um, bad editing work by the people making the trailers who, who are distinctly different than the 
the folks make, uh, editing the film. Um, but I'll give it a chance because the the other trailer with the the New Order Blue Monday soundtrack really had me sold mm. and jazzed on it. And <laughs> somewhere in between those two sort of feelings is probably the truth for this movie. Right. And how is that one coming out? Do we know? Is it going to be in the theaters or streaming? Or They've said November. Uh, that was when they moved it off of the... It was supposed to come out, I think, in May or June. And when they moved it, they said uh, November. So I would say that is their intention, given where things are now. But obviously, that is dependent on so many circumstances. You know, movies are back here in Canada. Um, over the last few weeks, we've seen a little bit more. I don't know whether the world is ready for that kind of blockbuster. I mean, Tenet came out here as of yesterday. And, mm-hmm. But having seen how the seats are set up and the, the sort of few number of people they can let in, I mean, movies will have to play for months in order to make the kind of money back that they're invested in them. So it, it'll be really interesting to see if, if they're ready to, to launch a blockbuster project like that or uh, Black Widow or, or any of those sort of tentpole kind of franchise things. Well, back when I was a kid in my teens, movies did play for weeks in the theater. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I saw movies, you know, that's how they, they put them out in a, some theaters and it built momentum, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean, think about Jaws, the original blockbuster, right? Jaws started out pretty, you know, normal and then it just kept playing all summer long. Yeah, I was watching a special on 2001. I didn't, like I mentioned the other day, I didn't know that I had the, the Blu-ray behind the scenes thing on the, the latest Blu-ray I got. The number one fan wanted to watch it. And um, so what I didn't, what the, the they were talking about it going into the theaters and, and it was like a flop. It was like not selling. People People thought it was confusing and derivative and or not derivative, but just confusing. And, and they didn't get the whole gist of it. And then they were just about to pull it out of the theaters when like the theaters kind of said, you know, something weird's happening. A whole bunch of people are sitting in the front row. And then, <laughs> you know, and the next day there was twice as many people sitting in the front row. And then people, like even more people sitting. And they were all going in, you know, getting high and then going and watching the the scene where, where uh, the, our hero travels into the new dimension, right? Mm-hmm. So the really trippy scene, right? So, so that was kind of, and, and, you know, had it been like in the theaters for a week, like the movies are these days, it would have been, it would have been a flop and it would have been rediscovered on streaming or on VHS or whatever, you know, like in, after the fact like a lot of movies end up being like that right because the initial impression with the you know the the average audience isn't quite there you know it takes a takes a sort of um grassroots sort of growth right for something to take off right? and it needs time to do that right like you said real time uh check uh, check in here we've got uh, it says october 2nd is when it's supposed to open in canada wonder woman 1984 that's okay. the latest online that i can see so speaking of tenant i saw a clip of uh i'm not sure if it was on maybe on twitter or facebook or something but tom Cruz apparently went to the opening in Europe and wearing a mask and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And um, it, I couldn't really sort of see how the seats were set up. But what were you saying? Is it kind of like like are they include, like groups like two at a time, two spaced in twos and then spread out? Or? Yes, very much so. So I looked at the IMAX seats, thinking, hey, maybe. Tim and I will go see this or Tim and Xavier and I or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I looked and yes, there are only groups of two. This was the IMAX screenings. There was only seats. of. uh, What if you want to buy three? Can you buy three? You can buy three, but you cannot sit together. Oh, really? Yes. 
Huh. And theoretically, yeah, that would break up their their little pattern. It inside. does. Yeah. yeah, I'd imagine it's like, well, you're better off going with four, so you can sit in pairs. Wait, don't they use algorithms, Jaime? Come on, to figure out the most optimal yeah seating for every combination that ends up coming out. I mean, it's plausible, but I think you know, with the the teenagers they normally have taking tickets and giving seating assignments, it's probably easier to just say like, here, sit here, two space, two space, or or whatever it is. Seating assignments this is like you, you you have the people you don't like the seats in the edge and you sit in the middle is that the idea I and mean, you got to make extra money somewhere it looked like it was two seats and then like a three seat gap or two seat gap and really two seats. Wow. like it I, I think they're trying to keep to the six feet two meters uh kind of rule even within so what the about theater. going forward though like like say who's so there's nobody sitting in front of you no, right no uh there was an interesting article on cbc's uh cbcnews.ca this morning about whether or not it was a good idea idea to go see Tenet. And uh, doctors said, you know, no, don't go to the theater and like think that this is a normal movie going experience. Don't sit there with your bag of popcorn and, and chew. And they said, you know, if you're in an enclosed area, it's a large area, but if you're in an enclosed area for two and a half hours, which is how long that film is, don't sit there and munch popcorn and, you know, people will be coughing and sneezing and don't breathing breathe, yeah, and whatever. Breathe. They said, if you're going to go, go and like keep your mask on, sit still. And, you know, you are taking a risk. Uh, whereas the movie theaters were like, no, no, we're taking all the precautions. Everything's good. But I mean, you are putting yourself at risk. It's a question of whether you think that's a, an acceptable risk. So that's a conversation right. that we can have now or we can have offline, you and I, Tim. Because yeah, it seems true. like it would be an amazing movie to see on a big screen, but it's complicated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not a government health official, but it sounds like maybe you should see what the reviews are like. As silly as it sounds, if I was going to take a risk, it'd be for a, a fantastic movie, not a you know that's a pretty good movie. Are you going to take the word? Are you going to take the word of people who are going to risk their life and limb to go watch a movie? Are you going to take their review as as creed? <laughs> like that's a good. You no, know, like they're point. already these are already people we disagree with, right? Yeah. Right now, it's got it's got eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now, so that's mm. certified fresh. Mm. I really, I mean. I have enjoyed Nolan's films. They're not always perfect, but I've enjoyed them. And I, I think seeing them on the big screen is kind yeah, of critical to the yeah. enjoyment of them because he really does make very cinematic experiences. Yeah. Uh, I think it would be, yeah, I think it would totally change the experience if your first one watching it was on your flat screen. Yeah. So that's, Mind you, I do, problem. I do enjoy watching, you know, Interstellar and, um, what's the one with Leonardo DiCaprio, um, Inception. I, I, I watch those repeatedly on, on the shows and, and you're right though. I mean, like the movie Gal- or, uh, Gravity, right? I saw the Gravity by myself in IMAX and it was an amazing experience, right? Um, it's a lot lot different than watching it on TV, right? Yeah, a beautiful looking movie as long as you don't, you know, pay attention to anything that's happening. Or, or yeah, or, or don't, you have to suspend disbelief for sure. <laughs> yeah, and logic and common sense and all those Considering things. it takes place in two hours, exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. But back to DC fandom. Yeah, we saw the, uh, the dropping of the trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League cut that's coming to HBO. Max in 2021. Uh, they also confirmed that this version is going to be released as four parts with each installment running one hour. And if you're like me and you watch the trailer, you were like, oh my gosh, this is a completely different movie. Where do these scenes even fit into the yeah. whole narrative? Like this yeah, feels yeah. like not just, oh, it's a director's cut, but there's only like, you know, two minutes of extra footage. It sounds like this is a radically different narrative that uh, that came this out. This is the movie where Superman and Batman are not happy with each other and Wonder Woman comes along is that the one no that was uh batman 
Batman v Superman at Dawn mm-hmm. of Justice. The Justice League oh, okay. movie is uh, Superman is dead and right, right. Th- there is a threat and the different superpowered DC heroes have to come together to fight against it, including the resurrection of Superman. Spoilers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so the, the one I was talking about was the one where Superman ends up dead, right? Correct. Like at the end of it? Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. And I, I know which one it is now. Okay. Yeah. And we get our first look at uh, Darkseid. Mm-hmm. He's roughly the equivalent of Thanos uh, from the Marvel Universe in terms of, you know, big, big bad that, that everybody needs to be concerned about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm fascinated. I, I'm, I was not impressed with... I, I'm a huge Justice League fan and I was disappointed with that film as many, many people were. It seemed like a bit of a hard-to-read mess of a film. In spite of some decent performances and some, some interesting visuals, it just didn't hold up very well as a, as a story and it certainly was not the launching, a launching pad that they were hoping it would be. I think it'll be really interesting to not only to see this vision of the film that was what was originally conceived, but also I wonder what will come of it if it is positively received. Will they then want to continue that DCEU kind of thing? Does it end up being like a like a retcon sort of thing? Of like, all right, this is actually what really happened, and then we can continue the movies uh, in this universe from here. Yeah, wonder. Hmm. I don't really have too much strong uh, precedence for that. Although I guess the the Highlander movie series get to a point where they basically ignore two or three or forget which which uh, which episode in this series they say that didn't actually happen this dude is alive yeah 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 if we need a bad guy we'll bring him back right yeah yeah cool and that's going to be on hbo hbo max in 2021 as a four-part series and what is hbo a series well it's sorry it's gonna be it's a oh, movie it's a movie released in four parts sorry right and so H- what is hbo max is that like um disney plus kind of the deal or like what's that going to cost you i mean that's the bottom oh, that's a good question i got confused and i think they've they've tried to consolidate and make this less confusing but at one point there was hbo go which is for people who have traditional cable and you can download the app and and be uh, on the go and still see your content there's hbo now which was meant for uh, you don't have cable because you've cut the cord, but you still want access to Game of Thrones and Silicon Valley and etc. for their uh, content. And then Max was HBO's content plus somebody else's it was Warner Brothers and somebody else. Yeah, because it was all their acquisitions, right? It was AT&T, AT&T HBO, Warner Brothers, because that's what we talked about that last week. That was the DC Universe stuff, right? They're going to absorb all that stuff as well. So yeah, it's, it's, I, a, I, uh... it's a pretty rich pile of content. As well as some new original content that's going to end up on uh, on there as well. And, and so, what is DC Fandom? Is it like an online conference kind of thing, or yeah, it's a fan event. They they basically they set up all these uh, online conferences where people could tune in and watch the trailers. And they had talent from them doing behind the scenes stuff. They talked. They had sort of you know opportunities to sort of dip into a whole bunch of different areas from TV and gaming and, uh, and movies and, and the books and um, some of the artists I know were were participating. And so, yeah, it's, it seemed like it was a pretty successful weekend of, of pushing all the stuff that DC's got coming in the next year. Well, and, and so uh, Comic-Con did, this, did a similar thing a, a while ago too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they had like online. Yeah. They basically did like a virtual hangouts. version of the, of the conferences that they would have there, the press conferences right, and right, stuff. Yeah. Cool. 
there was a lot that came out of that DC fandom. So they they also showed the uh, a teaser, basically a, the roster of villains who are going to be in the Suicide Squad sequel, uh, directed by James Gunn, who folks might remember as the director of Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, and this roll call trailer had just an insane number of people you would recognize uh like idris elba john cena nathan fillion and pete davison also um you you'd end up having uh margot robbie reprising her role as, as harley quinn but it seemed like quite the insane sort of of cast that they've got if only for some part of the movie i assume given the the premise of these bad guys these supervillains are expendable i spoilers assume that this cast gets trimmed down fairly early in the movie <laughs> yeah i mean the the book was always like that that you know they would introduce you know hey we're all going on this mission and and you know very very regularly many of them would not come back because they were basically mm. culling some of the lamest villains out of the dc universe so Aren't they like the Suicide Squad? Well, that was the point, right? You you take on the risk of doing this, and you get ten years off your sentence if you're successful, or if you're not oh, successful, right. you're toast. Yeah, yeah. Either way, you're free. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Cool. And uh, this is one that that people might want to take a look at too, and that's the first trailer with the Batman, the the vehicle for uh, Robert Pattinson as as Bruce Wayne and Batman. And this trailer also reveals our our first takes on Catwoman and a very very uh, different take on the Riddler. And, um, hmm. It seems interesting. Uh, the 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 design of uh, the characters are a little different, but you can you can see the the basics of what's there. It uh, it seems seems like uh it's going to be a, a a darker moodier sort of take um and uh i'm interested especially to see what ends up happening with riddler it's definitely very different from the uh 1960s batman of uh frank gorshin and, and riddle me this batman sort of uh, take or even the jim carrey take from the batman forever movie right right yeah it seemed a little more in line with the sort of very much more menacing version they did in the arkham series of video games where he was a genuine you know plotting not just random riddles but definitely planning death traps and stuff to uh to, to kill the dark knight it was a very very compelling vision to that character it, it has seemed a little um yeah watered down over the years it'll be interesting to see how they do that and coming out of that fandom as well there was a couple of really neat trailers for video games i just wanted to flag for everybody the uh, gotham knights trailer was a particularly cool one where they did a trailer for uh worst case scenario is you know at the beginning of this trailer they introduced the fact that batman is dead and the Gotham Knights need to unite and defend Gotham City in his absence so it, it combines uh, Barbara Gordon, Bat- uh, Batgirl Robin, the uh, looks like the Damian Wayne version of Robin uh, the Jason Todd Red Hood and the Dick Grayson Nightwing characters all fighting to protect Gotham in the absence of Batman so that looked really kind of interesting um, really really cool trailer really well done and the other trailer that they had was the one for Suicide Squad killed the Justice League, which sort of showed them, there looked like it was an invasion of aliens or other dimensional beings or something attacking this city. They looked like they were sort of, you know, doing their job you know, as as they do, they were, you know, a group of nefarious suicide squatters, uh, half-assed trying to defend this city, and then this very evil, menacing version of Superman comes and sort of confronts them and uh, sort of leaves you to imagine what comes next, but 
it seems like a really cool uh, cool vision again of you know these sort of misfit anti-heroes versus uh, an evil version of the Justice League could make for a heck of a video game so yeah that one, the, that one looks like fun and, and so does Gotham Knights it's, it's definitely pretty exciting to see uh, new new video games come out based on on this material now that being said I think they both said 2022. Hmm. So a ways away, but still, you know, look forward to play those on your PS5 or your Xbox, whatever the heck they're calling the new Xbox. I can't Xbox remember. Series X series or Series X. 10, because yes, right. I'm unclear how to say that X at the trail end. Yeah. 10S? I don't know. Yeah. You're back. So so is there there's life for Spotcast for Season 1 coming soon? <laughs> so this is going to sound complicated, but let me explain what's happening here. It, it's technically follow-up because we had uh, mentioned a news article that CBS was looking to do this. So in the United States, so I can't speak for, for other countries where Star Trek Discovery appears on, you know, different part platforms. of our healthcare package. Yes, yeah. it's part of your, as I like to joke for the Canadians, it's part of your, your socialized sci-fi that you get uh, with uh, Space Channel or something. And, and other countries have uh, Netflix and possibly even Amazon Prime as their, their sources. But in the United States, uh, Star Trek Discovery has always been behind the, uh, the, the gated walls of CBS All Access, the online paid streaming service but now with season three uh set to debut in uh in october uh, again on cbs all access cbs said hmm you know what's a good way to to drum up uh more promotion for folks who may not have wanted to pay the 5.99 or 9.99 a month to to see tragic discovery like well we also own you know a major broadcast network in america called cbs so the first full season of Star Trek Discovery will make its broadcast debut on Thursday, September 24th. And it's very late in the uh, in the evening, just given the, the content that I'm guessing they're going to have to assuredly trim a little bit, uh, you know, curse words and and, uh, and nakedness. Um, but this is a special uh, limited promotion run that they're they're doing to, to drum up um, enthusiasm for, for season three. I think with the idea being, you know, if you uh, if you weren't really sold on, on spending the money and you watch it on CBS, which you get over the air for free, you're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. All I have to do is plunk down my money here take my money i'll send it for cbx all access now and binge season two and then catch up with season three i, I think that's the, the promotional aspect are they going to bleep out all the swearing that one's going to be interesting because there are a fair number of, of f-bombs and uh, mm-hmm. naked people of, of various genders um I, I, I kind of wonder about that, but it does come out at uh, the 10 o'clock hour. Um, that would be in the evening hour, just to be fairly clear. Um, and uh, I'm kind of interested to see, honestly, the the set of sponsors that they have for the ads. Because uh, I don't I don't know that you're going to want to put uh, Pampers and Huggies in this time slot, if I'm being honest. So how did we, how did we watch Game of Thrones? Because this is a similar thing they did with that, didn't they? Put it on regular TV and then you had to watch HBO to watch the whole thing. Or was, was Game of Thrones always only on HBO. I feel like here in Canada at some point they put it maybe the first season or at some point they put uh, perhaps a slightly sanitized version on network television here again as a sort of teaser mm-hmm. a lost leader we'll show you the first season and if you want more you got to come over here kind of thing right, but I can't right. I did not watch it because obviously what was what would be the point but uh, I wonder what they did with that yeah but I think you lent me the box set or something like that to get back into it right mm-hmm. yeah because yeah I think I watched a second or third season but I had to go catch up on season one two three whatever right so I can't remember how, what order I watched it in but yeah 
Yeah, because I, I, they did a similar thing there. I, I seem to get the impression that I remember seeing it on regular TV, and then if you wanted to catch up and see the you know seven and eight, you had to go or six and seven. Well, how many seasons of it? Seven seasons. You had to go watch it on HBO, right? Yeah. All right. That's cool. And last but not least, Altered Carbon has been canceled by Netflix. Mm-hmm. So not, I guess, a terrible surprise. I have not had a chance to get into season two yet. I enjoyed season one. I thought it was an interesting idea. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and I fully intend to watch season two, irrespective of it being canceled. I do think, though, uh, as the article that I've linked in our show notes from Newsweek says, one of the issues is is probably the audience, whether or not it's getting the kind of numbers they want. But the other one might be that it is one of the most expensive shows that they've ever put out on Netflix. It costs apparently about $7 million an episode, which is... Wow. Not quite, but almost Game of Thrones money. And it's a good show, and it looks great, but that's a lot of money to be sinking into a show that has not exactly got Game of Thrones buzz behind it. No, and I got through, I think I got three episodes in and just lost interest. On season two? Like it, yeah. 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 Season one was, was a whole binge, the whole binge situation, but season three was like, nah, I got better things to do. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it may have gotten better season four or episode four, I don't know, but I might go back and finish it, but there are, there are other things in life than watching all carbon it wasn't as good as the first the first uh, iteration as far as i was concerned yeah anthony mackie i, I enjoyed his work uh, on the as the falcon and the marvel movies i think it'd be interesting to see him lead a series but mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. it was always on my back burner of well i'll watch this other five things and then i'll get to that and it's and it'll always be there again it's just going to sit there on the, the netflix queue for a long time on your my list you can now know that there's a beginning and an end right right all right well we're are we're in season three episode four but this is Season one, episode four for Star Trek Lower Decks, Moist, Moist Vessel, um, which we're going to talk about now. And uh, leading the recap is this time is Jaime Lopez Jr. So off you go. Yeah, this time uh, the premise of the show is that the USS Cerritos and its sister ship, the USS Merced, are going to work together to save a generational ship that has uh, has gone adrift. And this generation ship is, uh, we're told, is uh, you know centuries old and has some sort of goo within its confines that generates life from inorganic material. And the idea is they think, well, maybe this is something that was going to be used to uh, colonize a planet, right? And that sets us up for uh, Captain Freeman and her um, her equivalent for the Merced, Captain Durango, uh, in a, a mission brief on the Cerritos. And uh, we learned that those two captains served previously together on the USS Illinois. Uh, but during this mission brief, which has the senior crew in the, in the conference, room uh ensign mariner is there and she's very sleepy and and quite yawny if that's a word uh during the mission brief and this causes some some embarrassment for captain freeman as you might expect and uh later on captain freeman dresses down mariner for disrespect and is like what is wrong with you and uh, as we've seen out of out of ensign mariner the, she just lives in that world of uh irritating her mother despite the um you know the command hierarchy that they have between them. And uh, mm-hmm. Captain Freeman sort of pondering on this this problem she has with her daughter. And that's when uh, Commander Ransom comes in and brings in some uh, sensor data for the captain to review. And, uh, you know, he's like, you know, I can't believe you haven't gotten rid of her already. And, uh, you know, we've given a hint that, that Captain Freeman actually kind of wants it to be, um, you know, Mariner's own choice. So the Ransom says, like, well, tell you what, why don't you suggest, you know, that Mariner take all of these different 
jobs, like the worst possible jobs we have in the Cerritos. Give her all of those tasks. She'll hate it so much. You end up squeezing her out and she'll do this of her own volition. She'll decide to, to transfer or leave the ship and, and stop being an annoyance. Right. And uh, we end up with uh, the captain saying, yeah, that's a great idea. And then repeating exactly what Ransom has just said. Right. And Ransom. Yeah, as if it's her idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As if it was her idea. And Ransom apparently is really used to this and really good at the politics because he doesn't miss a beat in agreeing like, that's a great idea. Yeah, captain <laughs> that's why you're the captain yeah 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 so we you know we smash cut to uh boimler and some boimler getting uh you know pretty excited about assignment time for the lower decks crew um and uh you know the the, the terrible tasks of course were, were assigned to ensign mariner and uh, uh some other tasks to, to some of the others like we end up with uh ensign tendi uh being really excited to participate in this ascension ceremony for um one of the other crew members uh she goes in and is, is real excited to see you know this person ascend beyond the the physical form and and it become a whole different kind of being um it's worth noting that there is a uh, a sand uh painting uh sand drawing that's done on the floor and there's a whole bunch of people in a room including the person who's going to do the ascension uh meditating or chanting possibly and intendi gets really excited about this this gong accidentally knocks it off its perch and the gong goes right through and completely obliterates this sand drawing that has taken apparently two years for this guy to make. And she's like, ah, no, no, I I, I can fix it. Uh, uh, Let me go to the replicator computer, colorful sand, room temperature. (laughs) And just spits it out. She's like, let me put it back. He's like, no, no, it just doesn't work like that. You've ruined it. Um, And we cut over to to Mariner, who is cleaning out the holodeck. um, And it looks like it is a nasty job. There's just like vile stuff uh, coming uh, out of the, uh, the filter. And then it's all the bloop, all the bleep from all the times that people bleep on the holiday. Yeah, I yeah, think we, we'll, I think we'll we need to discuss that. that at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hold, hold that thought because that actually does okay. become a, a point that the, the commanding staff that talks But she's kind of like throwing up or trying to not throw up as she's pulling out these canisters, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, she also has the task of uh, lubing the turbo lift, which, you know, she, she puts a, a nice little sign that says, you know, uh, Instant Network. At work, oh, it's, yes, thank you. Ensign at work, and it was something like that. It was one of those signs, like you know, you know, that bathrooms are, are unavailable. You know, please go away for the moment, sort of thing. But uh, uh, Shacks from security just comes in, completely, you know, ignores the uh, the nice sign there, and then puts Mariner in danger as he tries using the turbo lift to go up, and she has to ask the computer for an emergency stop of the turbo lift. Um, and then her other task that she ended up having to do is uh, carbon filter scraping, which, if you ask me, seemed kind of cool i mean maybe it's you know for people in the future this is like you know what little kids end up having to do but for me i'm like oh so i get to use a phaser to like shoot gunk off of some other thing that seems kind of fun and uh, they end up turning that into a little bit of a game so uh it's a mariner has uh, has found joy in this task where she can compete with the other people doing the same task of like let's see who can do it faster and and, and get some you know some enjoyment out of this uh ostensibly terrible task uh we end up seeing you know what the other folks are doing. So uh, Ensign Rutherford in engineering was assigned to watch the tractor beam fluctuations, which he wasn't really interested in because he wanted to watch the, I think it was the transporter beam fluctuations. (laughs) 
And this one's like, oh no, it's actually pretty good. I like, look at these variances, right? Uh, and we end up also with Tendi trying to apologize to the Ascension guy. Right? O'Connor. It says his name is O'Connor. O'Connor? Okay, good. I didn't catch his name. I'll, I'll stop calling him Ascension guy and call him O'Connor at this point. Um, but she's, as we come to find out, she's just like, can't take people disliking her. And, and we'll talk more about this as, as we go through the recap. Um, this is the point at which we can talk about the um, removing bleep from the holodeck bleep filters, which uh, <laughs> Captain Rance Oh, sorry, Commander Ransom tells the captain of like, look, we gave her like this terrible job, even removing the uh, the uh, the sexual essence out of the sexual essence <laughs> filters from the holodeck. And <laughs> Captain Ransom was like, wait, what? People do that? It's like, yeah, that's that's sort of the primary activity that people do in there. As, as, <laughs> as we, we saw in Deep Space Nine, right? The suites were like virtual brothels, as, as yeah. at least as Quark was running it. Yeah. So so they confer on you know well. If she hates even the the terrible jobs, what could we possibly give her that she will not hate? And they realize that, oh, you know what she hates the most is the responsibility, the authority. And so eventually we get to a uh, congratulations, Lieutenant Mariner. Uh, you are now part of the, the senior staff and you have to take part in these uh, these tasks. And uh, Boimler is there to, to witness this and he is just losing his mind of like, what? <laughs> this person who doesn't care, who doesn't try. I, you know, I, you know, internally he's thinking to himself, I'm sure that like, you know, I'm the one who does everything by the book and I'm the one who's studying and everything. And he's like, even like smacking his face, like, no, no, this is real. This is happening. This is not a dream. And um, we end up seeing Mariner and how much she doesn't like the, the leadership stuff, right? She doesn't like the, the debates about conference room chairs. She doesn't like the audits of audits that, that <laughs> end up going for the command staff or even uh, in sort of a, uh, a callback to the poker games that the Enterprise would have. Uh, apparently, the Cerritos command staff has a, a poker game, but they they sort of don't do it the right way, right? They they everybody folds, which angers Mariner. She's like, "What's wrong? There's there's no fun in this game. You don't play for reals. Everybody folds. It's just just boring." I'm going all in. No, no, it's a friendly game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in the other story, we have uh, Tendi and Rutherford in uh, in the mess hall and she's saying look i just want to help o'connor with his ascension what's going on what's so wrong and rutherford's kind of you know friendly listening but he's kind of more interested in like the pudding cup that she has <laughs> he's left behind uh and and eventually uh boimler goes to um mariner's quarters as it turns out when you're when you get to the lieutenant rank on the cerritos you no longer have to be in the in the bunks with all the other ensigns you get your own quarters and mariner's like Man, i know right this is terrible i'm so far away from everybody else in the lower decks right like it's i'm not with uh, all the cool kids that she liked and here you know boy was like well what, i don't get it like what uh what did you do to to get promoted here he's like, i don't know did things wrong i guess it's whatever and this gives boiler the wrong impression he's like oh breaking the rules that was is what works and and, and that'll come back the, the way that this sh- this show is cut there's a lot of jumping between the different stories so we, we get a little bit of time where uh tendy has decided that she'll tell o'connor okay well if we want to speed up the ascension process we're just going to use like multiple different cultures worth of of things at once so then you'll be like extra super ascended and it'll just be faster right and uh she ends up using like you know space bees as i wrote in my notes here as as some sort of combination to try to to speed things up um and uh we go back over to to boimler who has uh been requested to to appear so he gets one of 
those uh, communiques over his uh, communicator. And uh, as we've often thought about, I think on on this show, like how how does the communicator or the command system know to to turn off the audio? He does this full on super villain impression of like ah uh, like they'll see what's going to happen, and the other end is like wait what what was that? He's like, oh oh what? nothing nothing uh, that was uh, Moriarty on the holodeck. <laughs> Another callback to TNG. Like, that super villain thing you heard me just say was a super villain type character from the holodeck that that wasn't really me is the impression uh and is another one of the indignities that uh captain freeman wants to give for uh in Samar- uh, lieutenant mariner now is that the command staff needs to attend captain ransom sorry commander ransom's birthday party where apparently he will sing and play acoustic guitar for hours where he is going to be singing these custom uh songs about the month that he lived in barcelona <laughs> uh, which <laughs> definitely sounds like not a ton of fun to listen to. Uh, now we end up switching over to the USS Merced, who's also taking part in this mission. And uh, Captain Durango is uh, maybe a little bored or something or, or feeling a little uh, not right with his place in the world. And uh, he says... So competitive, too. Competitive. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, bring the ship in closer to the to the generational vessel that they're, they're towing with the tractor beams. Um, uh, I want to show that we're leading the mission is not the Cerritos. And uh, this is ill-advised because this causes the tractor beam to wiggle a metal plate loose on the generational ship. And this cloud of goo comes towards uh, first the USS Merced and it starts causing havoc. As they mentioned earlier, that goo turns inorganic material, even like the ship's hull, into this organic environment. And this ends up starting to happen to the Cerritos as well. And this is really well-timed where, again, Boimler, who has gotten the wrong impression, has decided that now, when the ship is going into red alert, is the perfect time to intentionally drop cap coffee in uh, Commander Ransom's lap. And when he gets yelled, he's like, what the hell are you doing, dude? Like, what's going on? Um, and, and this is during the time when uh, Captain Freeman and, and Lieutenant Mariner are talking and uh, Mariner ends up, you know, saving the captain who is spouted off into, you know, not on my watch that this is going to happen. And, you know, she saves her mother and, and, and the captain from the, the goo that's causing all sorts of, of problems on the ship. And we see more images of the chaos that's erupting as the uh, the goo starts terraforming the environment on the ship. And we cut over to Tendi and O'Connor, who she does lay in out, you know, what was happening here that like she was trying so hard because she just really does not like being disliked by anybody. And during that conversation with O'Connor, they accidentally, you know, kick a plant spore or seed like a ball type thing uh and it ends up blowing up under the water uh and we learned that the you know o'connor was was actually kind of faking it with this whole ascension thing that he wanted just a way to stick out amongst the the sea of people and it sort of became like you know his brand name shtick the ascension guy the ascension guy is is how he put it (laughs) right and uh uh we we cut over to Captain Freeman and Incident, uh, Lieutenant Mariner, who are using rocks to try to dig through the uh, the terraformed mess, and we end up with Captain Freeman, you know, sort of over mothering and criticizing even the rock selection and the rock repelling ability of a you know an obviously very capable uh, Lieutenant Mariner, and and they talk about like you always criticize every little thing that I do, right? Is sort of the 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 whole uh, intent there. Cut back to to Tendi who. Uh, 
realizes that she can use one of those uh, spores or seeds as an intention in a way to blow uh, a hole toward, you know, forward so they can get out of this, you know, drowning in engineering sort of problem that they've run into. Um, and uh, O'Connor, the Ascension guy, he ends up, you know, sacrificing himself to save Tendi and he gets, you know, thrown under this, this rock uh, that has fallen and he pushed Tendi out of the way for him. Uh, and, you know, in a very Star Trek sort of way, it, it turns out that Lieutenant Mariner knows the technobabble solution to destabilize the goo that is terraforming the ship, right? And um, as things are kind of saved, um, the Ascension guy uh, and, and Tendi kiss because they've had this like emotional bond over what has happened. And that's exactly when he actually starts ascending and he starts, you know, losing himself from the physical realm. But apparently it burns to ascend. <laughs> and he's like, oh, God, they can stop. And Tendi's like, just drop and roll. Drop and roll back into the physical realm, <laughs> like the you know, stop, drop and roll sort of instructions you would have been given in in grade school for like what do you do if you're on fire? <laughs> and he starts losing it as he, you know, is apparently everywhere and nowhere. Time has no meaning. Oh gosh, the universe is balanced on the back of a smiling koala. What does he know? <laughs> and right as he's about to say the meaning, you know, the secret to life is, and he just disappears as he's become, you know, any number of, of beyond the physical realm beings like, you know, uh, like the traveler or the Q or something. And that's the last we see of him for now. Um, but the, uh, the Merced is, is still in trouble because they were, you know, in a much worse state, especially as they were closer and got more of the goo. And uh, Mariner says, well, why don't we beam the Merced crew, you know, onto a different ship? And her mother says, yeah, let's just put them in a generational ship. There, there's still areas where all of the, uh, all of the mummies are that uh, is still safe and contained. And uh, I think she says, you know, um, Durango is, is so you know, stale and dusty in his approach to things that he'll be right at home with all the, <laughs> all the desiccated folks. And there's a nice little, you know, mommy-daughter moment that uh, Freeman and Mariner have. It um, doesn't last for very long because uh, Admiral Vassery comes onto the Cerritos to, to give some, you know, medals of accomplishment. Um, and he talks about how they, you know, they need to get back to uh, some other tasks because they've seen some weird stuff on their sense oars and uh, Mariner's like what 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 no there's there's no are we are we not going to talk about this the fact that he says sense oars when he means sensors and Captain Freeman who seems to be uh, you know of a political butt kisser is like no I say sense oars it's like <laughs> Mariner's like no you don't what are you talking about <laughs> and uh, you know this this sign of disrespect uh, puts Captain Freeman in such a bad place that it uh, will learn out later that uh, Ensign Mariner, is, uh, sorry, Lieutenant Mariner, is now demoted back to Ensign, uh, and so we do stop have a making scene fond of me, <laughs> fond of me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we do have uh, Tendi, you know, realizing that she, you know, she can't handle being disliked, but you know, she'll she'll go over it. And, and Rutherford says, like, yeah, it's totally fine. Like, I'm sure this big old ship has got to be at least a few people who don't like you. And she just like flips out and starts like arm wrestling him. <laughs> and was like, who are they? Tell me. Why don't they like me? And we we end the show with uh, Boimer like I can't believe it you you had everything I always wanted you were a lieutenant and everything and Mariner's like you know it wasn't that great he's like what what are you talking about it's great you know but there's nothing left to do here and the Mariner's like well you know I have still this access to the senior officer's access senior officer's access card that has apparently uh, senior staff access to the quote good replicator programs <laughs> instead of the uh, the, the 
apparently the not so good food that you would get out of the replicator if you're not command staff. And that's so he's, gonna go, he's gonna go get the mac and cheese with the bread on top. I know that seems rather <laughs> that seems rather meager. That doesn't seem very. <laughs> it's like they're they're giving him you know what the equivalent of uh, that protein goo that they gave people in the Matrix or something. Like yeah, what, really. what is it that these people are eating? Oatmeal or yeah. Well, apparently they get tacos and pudding because that's what uh, Tendi was eating in in the, in the uh, cafeteria earlier. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. That's true. So a good episode. Weird. I mean, yeah. Again, again, played on a lot of tropes. Played on a lot of sort of previous Star Trek knowledge. Yeah. Lots of good little little throw-ins. I like the uh, the sarcastic Vulcan salute. Live long and prosper. She throws it up like a gang sign. Yeah. <laughs> She's backing out the door. Right? She's backing out the door. And then Boimler does it to her. She's like, it's not even cool. All right, it looks cool. Um, I like when, uh, when Boimler refers to uh, Mariner's chore list or job list as Klingon prison stuff. That's Klingon yeah. prison stuff. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the clearing clearing off the carbon with even more. Carbon <laughs> yeah, cleaning, cleaning off something made of carbon with more carbon. Yeah, there's there's lots of good little jokes. I, I like the uh, the line when Mariner and her mom are arguing. She says, "Whatever, Carol." Yeah, <laughs> did a, you just call me? Did Carol? you just call yeah. me? You don't get to call me Carol. Yeah, yeah. There's there's lots of good little jokes, um, and again, it does sort of play on the whole idea of the ascension, the whole idea of the you know two team two ships having to team up, and then you know chaos ensuing, and all. It's very familiar ground for a, a long term Trek fan, but they definitely mm-hmm. played it in in so many great ways. Um, not the funniest. I think I think everything is going to be held against episode two as the the funniest high water mark, but lots of good jokes yeah. in this one. Um, you know, a lot, little, little. of course, they brought back the, the the turning into a beam of light kind of ascension piece yeah. that was a teaser a couple of episodes ago. Right? Yeah, I like the, uh, the the sand is a physical representation of my inner peace. <laughs> yeah, and he's freaking out. Yeah, and he's thinking, yeah, she keeps bringing him all the stuff. She's, I'll rake you, I'll rake you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was good. I thought it was funny. I definitely think there was a lot, to, lot to enjoy in this one. It, I think Jaime, I think you nailed it though. In your even in your recap, it. It was a very fast-moving episode. A lot of cuts, a lot mm-hmm. of bounce back mm-hmm. and forth between the four main characters, uh, and then on top of that, some of the stuff between Ransom and uh, Freeman. It, it definitely felt like this was for the attention span, uh, you know, Generation Z kind of crowd, where they can't watch for more than like twenty seconds without getting bored. Because I don't think there was a scene longer than like. 25 seconds before they cut to the next thing yeah it, it had a, a complicated structure there is an a story a b story and a c story uh, but it switches between them like very rapidly mm-hmm. um uh, i guess i also didn't mention uh when it comes to color we saw the uh you know the cerritos has that that yellow strip on its hull mm-hmm. and its sister ship the merced has a blue strip and, and that mm-hmm. is a callback to to something we talked about on the show that apparently those color designations are meaningful for california class ships and gives an idea of what sort of operations um or missions that they tend to run so did you talk about the the tension between durango and and um what's her name freeman of the ship carol freeman Freeman. yeah there was there was a scene there where he had a picture of her up on his screen and it was sort of while he was stewing right yeah yeah he's kind of staring at it glaring at it yeah because she did say that in the beginning that they had served together but i didn't get any sort of vibe at that point that uh he was a little po'd with her because as you mentioned he wanted to get a better position on the tractor beam mm-hmm. 
And that's why he had ended up moving his his crew closer, right? So yeah, this... and that ship looked like a bumblebee or something. I thought I thought for sure the the goo was going to turn the ship into a you know an actual bumblebee. That's where I thought the story was going, or wasp or whatever. You know, the ancient ship, right? Right. Um, something that I think has played out a little bit. You know, these these episodes are largely self-contained, but I think they're kind mm-hmm. of more in the spirit of something like Deep Space Nine, where there actually is a fair amount of continuity. You know, a story right. thread that follows through all of the episodes, and even if you watch them in different order and it seems pretty clear that one of those threads that's being followed is the feeling of uh you know like uh, self-esteem problems or inferiority complexes around what if you're not the best of the best right so we've mm-hmm. seen like the enterprise and he's even mentioned on this show that like the enterprise is the the cream of the crop right so what if you're mm-hmm. on a ship that isn't the people with the cream of the crop and we saw that captain freeman in previous episodes is like this is what they do on the enterprise or the enterprise would never have to, to do this sort of BS mission that like is only for the peons. And I kind of think that the the poker game is probably a pretty good indication of that, right? That like you can sort of fill in the blanks in your head of like, I wonder if, if Freeman started doing that after she heard that, oh, the command staff on the Enterprise does this. So therefore we're going to do it too, because maybe that's a good way to, to get more out of your crew. Yeah. And I think that sort of fits in with the, uh, as you guys mentioned, it, Captain Durango and Captain Freeman, you know, uh, being so animosity towards like i i need to show that i'm somehow better than i am in my current you know rung of uh of the ladder of success well, i guess if you're doing nothing but sort of schlubby missions it must be hard to stand out Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. it's interesting too that that you know the amount of destruction that happened to the Cerritos in this episode, and the fact that you know pretty late in the episode Mariner was still a uh, lieutenant, right? Um, that you know I, I can't, you knew they were going to solve this within before the show ended that she had to go back to being um, uh, an ensign because you know the next episode she's going to have to be an ensign, ensign again. So they 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 don't really have that sort of continuity here, and this was sort of the first show where they kind of really acknowledge like right out loud that it's mother and daughter kind of thing right right um, explicitly stated story. by the characters themselves instead of hinted at yeah and so i mean it's sort of the the, the typical star War, star trek um uh you know the original series sort of approach to the problem would get solved within the 40 minutes even though they don't these aren't 40 minutes long but you know what i mean like like you know you know i kind of knew i was looking at the plot going this is going to have to resolve itself and somehow she's going to do something to get herself demoted and you know um, um, and then and they just happen to melt away. This this orga- organism just melts away after, you know, trashing the ship. And the ship is perfectly fine because it's animated after all, right? It's not like they have to go into dry dock and rebuild the ship, right? That kind of thing. But yet they couldn't rescue the, the other ship, right? Strangely. Hmm. I wonder if there was some uh, of that payback on that one. Ah, we'll, just, we'll send them to the generational ship and their ship is a mess and it's yeah. one less rival for, for Captain Freeman. Yes, true. He's got to hang out with the mummies. I also think that uh, it felt to me like my my either headcanon or maybe I heard this from some official source and maybe that's biasing me. I had posited before like, oh, I think that maybe Mariner actually was a higher rank at some point and got busted back down to Ensign. She seems more capable. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this episode, it kind of seemed like she knew before uh, she even had the, the pip on her, um, on her uniform what it meant to be uh, no longer Ensign 
Jasmine, but now Lieutenant, as if right, as if yeah. she had been there before. I was like, oh my gosh, I hate that so much. Well, and then she sort of like at one point she said, "You you read my mission brief," and she says, "Well, only only so I could make fun of it, you know." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but she does kind of do the work, but kind of doesn't, you know. So she it's sort of like she's figured out the sort of working angles of of how to survive in a you know a Starfleet class ship, you know California class ship without you know standing out too up being too obvious. You know, whereas those around her are trying to work their way up the ladder, she's just want to stay in cruise, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, and I also didn't note that uh, Lieutenant Mariner apparently was uh, in ops. She switched to the ops gold color uh, instead of her her red command, and then is at the end of the episode she's busted back down to ensign, back down to the the red command mm-hmm. color of her uniform. Right. So, so you mean that's significant of the fact that she's a red ensign? She would rise up into command ensign or into command roles? More, the idea? more just trivia that that when they um, upgraded her uh, her rank mm-hmm. that apparently that also meant in this particular case it's not always true but in this particular case it ended up being her promotion within the operations division yeah because i mean because rutherford also wears yellow too i was a little confused by that myself except for the pips right well he's in in engineering and tendy ends up wearing the science blue yeah 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 interesting all right let's move on to our watch list um so the first thing i have on the watch list here is uh, a little bit of this is a warm-up from a um uh concert done i think in spain or something like that but uh they actually had a classical soprano who came out as part of the warm-up for this concert she was doing actually did the uh theme song from the original series you know with the the the, the female voice that you hear over top of of the uh, original track so this is a, a youtube video of uh, an orchestra playing the Star Trek original theme with vocals. Yeah, it's interesting. What do you got there, Jaime? Mine is a YouTube video um, by the 3D print guy, and he's got a, a few different ones of these, but uh, one that was pretty neat here is the How to Rob a Bank, which is uh, based on the Rick and Morty series, and mm-hmm. this is Meeseeks versus Meeseeks, where the premise is that Rick is um, at a vending machine and he doesn't have money. He needs money so he, he gets both a regular Mr. Meeseeks and a Kirkland brand Mr. Meeseeks, <laughs> both the task of go get me some money so that way I can get some goodies out of this vending machine. And the approaches that they take are wildly different. And I don't want to spoil the episode here is only about, you know, three and a half ish minutes long. It's it's worth a watch. It's hilarious. It definitely fits in the, the Rick and Morty style of of, uh, of humor. And so who's this 3D printing guy? Like, is this somebody who just does 3D versions of popular shows or i i guess because when i looked at his videos he's got like steven universe stuff he's got more rick and morty like uh mr poopy butthole he's got gravity falls mm. stuff that he 3d prints out and not just prints but also uh colors too which is really neat I, I didn't look too much at the the rest of his channel but i did see some of the other oh my gosh there's a <laughs> sorry i'm looking at the channel now <laughs> there's a 3d printed movie sonic both the good sonic and the bad sonic that <laughs> looks like something i'm gonna have to watch offline here got anything john yeah i just wanted to uh quickly mention i got a uh nice delivery from the good folks at a uh, little company called amazon this week and it was mm-hmm. a new collection of the 1980s reboot of superman it's simply just called mm-hmm. the man of steel volume one nice. and it's from 1986's reboot of Superman to sort of bring him into the modern era where they made him a little more human. Uh, memorably started with a six, in, uh, six episode or six issue limited series called The Man of Steel. 
by John Byrne, Canadian comic creator, and he uh, he just sort of yeah, just sort of humanized and made him a little bit less uh, of a deity and a little bit more of a human type character at that point. Superman had had you know fifty years of history up to that point and had really sort of gone on so many different random adventures that his continuity was so complicated. So as part of the Crisis on Infinite Earths, they basically rebooted Superman with this mm. uh, storyline. This is a really nice collection of the first, it's that miniseries, and then the first few issues of the rebooted new uh, Superman series, The Adventures of Superman, which sort of picks up the original Superman series numbering and action comics, of course. And it basically is all these sort of different spins on rebuilding this character from the ground up, making him, you know, the new... First time he meets Lois Lane, first time he meets Batman, first interaction with Lex Luthor, coming from Smallville to... Uh, Metropolis. So it's a really good jumping on point if you're a fan of the character. It it really does sort of stand the test of time. It's not... um it doesn't feel as as antiquated as if you go back and look at the 1930s, you know, Siegel and Schuster kind of storylines. And uh, and it's a really... It's a gorgeous, gorgeous book. It's got, like, these lovely... It's a slipcover, and then you take the slipcover off. It's got these lovely illustrations by John Byrne on the front and the back. Uh, yeah, can't can't highly recommend it enough. It's quite good. I sat actually last night for a few hours and, and uh, read the read hmm. the book. And uh, for people who are a fan of that character, it's a, it's a lovely spot to jump on. Nice. Cool. Just wondering if I ever watched that bright. Was it called Brightburn? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I wanted to see that. I never never did uh, make the time for that one. Wasn't it on? Um, I feel like it's on one of the services we the have. Netflix or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or the Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. What if uh, Superman came to Earth but was not a nice person? Yeah, but I'm just looking at it. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the app called Letterboxd. Have you guys heard of that before? I'll put a link in the show notes. But it's it's a friend of mine who I went to, who would go to see the Toronto Film Festival with, uh, recommended it to me. And it's a it's a it's basically a diary of movies that you've seen, and you can rate them. And then you can sort of follow your friends and see what they think of movies as well, right? Um, so I've been putting in, you know, for like the last couple of years, I even gone back to like the 70s and put in some of the movies I watched back then. And um, this is an interesting way to keep a diary of what you've watched. And so I'm just scrolling through it right now to try to see if I saw that um, that particular take on Superman. But I don't think I have, you know, like my latest episode was I watched 2001 A Space Odyssey the other day and put that in here. So that's my third or fourth or fifth or seventh or 27th watching, right? Yeah, you must have hmm. seen that. <laughs> many, many times, I'm guessing, over the years. Yeah, for sure. In the and front see, row, mostly the, stoned? <laughs> no, actually, uh, no, I, remember, I do remember the first time I saw it was back in, you know, the 70s, but uh, with my movie going buddy, but uh, she didn't she didn't like it at all. She enjoyed Rocky a lot more. But, uh, and so you yeah. immediately stopped hanging out with that person? No, 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 no. I foolishly hung out with her anyway. But um, yeah, <laughs> um, but that's it. Yeah, I guess that's it for another week. So uh, hey, how many people want to get in touch with you? Where would they find you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. And Jonathan, people want to get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. And I am Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, on most of the socials, but the Twitter is probably the best place to get a hold of me. So until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, 
please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. So are we going to get the uh, the kid to edit the show again this week? Or I think we got to draft this kid. I, I think I think he wants to get paid though. I don't know paid? if he told you that. Paid? Yeah, paid like with money and stuff. Who is this kid? Whose kid is this? I know. I don't know. I don't know. Scandalous. What can I say? Yeah, I think he's all about the capitalism, right? So. Yeah, and what what does he what does he think is a fair amount per episode? <laughs> Beats me. I, well, I should tell them that I've been. People have offered to do it for like five bucks an episode. So yeah, <laughs> which is not reasonable. No. Oh, I should edit this part out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, he seemed pretty excited to have done it. So you know. Yeah, I think it's an excellent yeah. way to have him participate in the show. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to hand over the files to him. He, mind you, I haven't I haven't gone through the entire process with him because we kind of ran out of time. But yeah, is he, he's not going back yes. to help you guys for the fourth consecutive week? Oh, he's coming back. I think this week for some more, some more drywall and stuff well, like that. You but, know. Uh, there you go. Draft him. Yeah, but uh, Carol bought some doors today, so we'll hopefully get the door. She wants to get the door in place, and then uh, she's somehow convinced that, you know, even though I've done four pocket doors already in this house, that somehow this one's going to be different. Uh, so I want to ask you guys, and you could decide whether or not you want to use this in the after show or whatever, but what do you guys make of all this, uh, uh, the response by pro sports leagues to what's happened in uh, Kenosha? The protest by the sports people, I think, you know, it's good because, I mean, I think it makes a statement from the point of view of a couple of things. One is, I mean, this whole thing, Black Lives Matter and all, it kind of started with that football player who took one knee during the end. Colin right? Kaepernick, yeah. And, and he's never been able to get hired by any team since, right? Because they all don't want to touch him with a 10-foot pole. But um, he seems like everybody sort of points at him as the instigator. And yet, you know, then you have things that are happening like this. Um, I saw an interesting story on Facebook the other day about a, a woman, a lady giving a, a lecture uh, to a, a mixed-race audience. And she said to the white people in the audience, stand up if you would like to be treated as a black person in this country. And not one person stood up, right? And then uh, and. Then and, she's, and she said, well, let me just restate the question just to be sure that, you know, stand up if, you know, you, you think it's right and, you, and you, you agree that you should be treated the way a black person is treated in this country. And again, nobody stood up. She said, so by sitting down, you're accepting this treatment of black people. Mm. Right. Um, so, I mean, yeah, these guys are it's not like they're they're the privileged, you know, few or whatever. But the fact of the matter is the reason why they're they're not playing sport. I mean, they're playing sports because there's they're, they're football players and baseball players and hockey players and whatever. Right. But the penalty is not on them. The penalty is on the audience who doesn't get to watch them play in even these sort of virtual sandboxy kind of ways that they're doing now. Right. So I think the, the protest does have value in terms of them not playing at a protest. Yeah, I thought it was really poignant that the team that led it was Milwaukee, given that this latest mm. crisis has sprung up in Wisconsin. And the fact that they were the ones who said, you know, we just 
don't want to, you know, like we don't want to do our thing that we do for we our living. We can't go on pretending nothing's yeah. wrong, right? Yeah, and in a league that is 75% uh, black players, you know, and obviously, you know, it's it's too much. And I, and I don't blame them. I mean, if the only leverage that they have is to withhold their services, then the fact that they did that I think is really commendable. Uh, although I wonder... You know, there's already stories online that they plan on, you know, they, they took off last night's game, they, t- they took off today's games, and the word is that they're going to try and get back at it this weekend. You know, do does that resonate? Does it have the impact? Are people really paying attention in that way? Uh, I know uh, hockey canceled its games today as well, and the NHL, uh, they, they did go ahead with games on Wednesday, but they canceled it for Thursday. And we also saw um, Major League Baseball, the game between the Red Sox and Blue Jays was canceled today. I don't know if there's any others. So it's spreading, and that's good. And certainly, if people are spending less time watching sports, then hopefully they're paying more attention to the kind of serious issues that need to be dealt with. But it's also, uh, it's, yeah, it's very tricky to sort of see if this is going to cause change. I mean, you're our American. What's, yeah. uh, what's your make? What's your take on all this? I don't know what the sort of country cultural feel is, unfortunately. So I don't, I can't speak to that, but I do think it's, it's pretty interesting to watch it occur. And it arguably is, is doing, as you guys noted, a, a pretty good job of getting the conversation out there, right? It's like, oh, why can't I watch the Lakers? Well, LeBron and company decided they weren't going to play. Oh, why did they decided to play because of these problems. Oh, okay. So even somebody who's completely out of the loop, like it, it forces that to the forefront um, and that it, it doesn't get swept aside, which I think is, uh, is generally, you know, pretty, pretty positive, right. Is, um, you know, irrespective of the actual details of some of these, you know, uh, horrific things that have occurred. I, I think this country has gotten to the point where like change does need to occur. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't around for, uh, for the 1960s, but, you know, from what I know of, it as a, a you know cultural revolution and and times are a changing kind of era. I, I feel like that's what's happening here in, in 2020. Yeah, you think it's going to come down to what happens with the election and and sort of where America <laughs> goes next on that kind of chapter? I don't think that the election will definitively change it either way, right? So I think if you end up with um you know either Trump or Biden, it's not like the problem is going to instantly get worse or instantly get better. Um, you know, come come November when they're elected, or come January when they take office. Like these are uh, these are not even probably you know single presidential term sorts of issues. These are, these are the kinds of issues that take you know the better part of decade or decades for for culture to change. Yeah, well, geez, I hope it how it's faster than that because it is it's brutal out there right now. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope that the the uh, the brutality of what's happening will will end soonish. And and where I say soonish, I mean you know in the next couple years but that doesn't mean that the structural problems that that led to this boiling point will go away and that will continue to be something to chip away at over the long haul complicated times 2020 is a complicated year mm-hmm. yeah well i mean i don't know i mean it's, it's going to take a lot of lot to change and i think that you know we already know that you know in the united states is a very bipolar country right so um well it's very polarized that's for damn sure polarized yeah i mean the thing is that they're not they're not um you know it's it's they may reckon like half you know the liberals will recognize that that there's a problem but the the um the other side won't you know they'll, they'll just consider continue to accept the normal behavior right so 
Yeah, and and you know, and yet, you know, by the same token, though, I mean, you know, without looking too deeply into the situation uh, in Kenosha, um, guns were at the, the root of it. You know, if if guns weren't that readily available, that incident wouldn't have happened on either side. Like both sides had guns, right? So, um, and and this was the first time I sort of think that that it's really sort of been pointed. I mean, like you know, there's there's been deaths in America almost every day because of guns, but this is the first time a story kind of came out that it wasn't a you know a law enforcement person at the at the root of it right when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.